We're going to start today with a conversation with Padmaja Ruparel, one of the pioneers of the Indian startup ecosystem. She's the co-founder and founding partner of Indian Angel Network, the oldest angel network in India. Padmaja, welcome. Great to have you here. Thank you, Ramna. Thank you very much, Ramna. Tell us about Indian Angel Network and the journey you've had uh, building it, and uh, what is uh, what is work what is going on there now? What is working? What is not working? And what have you learned through this process? So you know the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the in the country here in India is very very different to what it is in the valley and elsewhere in the Western world. It's a much more nascent, much more uh, less mature ecosystem. Uh, we, our first startup industry is the IT industry, and that's only 25, 30 years old. So you can imagine how young the startup ecosystem is here. But I would in, say it's uh, only about a decade old, really, that startup ecosystem. That's true. It's uh, about a decade old, and. Uh, it started with Sai coming here in 2000 or so. That's when I uh, operationalized Sai Delhi chapter, which is now the best performing chapter in the Sai world. And mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, I uh, co-founded Indian Angel Network, which was which literally brought the concept of angel investing to India. Mm -hmm. We started off. Uh, we started off with a very, very, uh, very, very uh, simple model, as they would say. Uh, tried to do some copy paste and sell on our face because the ecosystem was very different here. The expectations were very different. The quality of business plans was very different. But we started off. We we grew over the years. We built. We decided to build something which was a little different. Uh, we moved away from the model of a local uh, informal angel group to something which is global and institutionalized. So what mm -hmm. we did is we, we decided that some of the foundations on which IEM would be built were really, um, you know, real-time information, leveraging domain expertise and geographic uh, Connects of our investor members, real-time information for our investors, and underpinned with keywords which I think are really what reflects IEN, which is money because they invest, mentoring, and market access which we provide. So it's a combination of these three that we thought would help the startups to really build up some very valuable global footprint companies. So from Padmaja, can you comment a little bit on um, the composition of the angels in India? Because again, the history of the IT ecosystem in India is very different from Silicon Valley. In Silicon Valley, there have been a lot of product success stories, and that's where the angels were born out of. And you know, people would make money and then come back into the ecosystem with the experience of building product companies. But India's heritage is from the services business, whereas the um, 
bulk of the investment that happens in the startup ecosystem is in product companies or internet companies, stuff like that, which we don't operate at all in the service company mode. So I, I, I believe you've had to navigate that tension. How has that played out? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, people who are part of the investment network here, especially Rani and we see people who really build garage to IPO companies. And the reason I mention that is whatever trajectory the company takes, uh, it, it starts with the services and now the, all these companies have moved into the product side, number one. Number two, the services companies are now not angel investable because these have become headcount businesses. And as we all know, angels are not really looking at headcount businesses. They are looking at very scalable, disruptive, IP Yeah. And that is where the services business is getting productized. That is where a lot of the uh, process businesses are getting productized. India is also the home of BPO and a lot of processing uh, and um, back office processing business. But all of that is getting productized very, very rapidly. But we are now entering the next stage. And as angels, what we look for and what you understand as well is we don't look at the best. We look at the next stage or the next ventures, and that's where automation is coming in. So, you know, we have a lot of companies here, a lot of startups who are looking at AI, who are looking mm -hmm. at virtual reality, who are picking up gaps in the existing large company product suites and saying, how do we do this faster, cheaper, better, quicker? So I think the, the growth of innovation technology, the growth of innovation here has uh, spread in two directions. One, very rapidly in its evolution from services to products to cash to, to um, uh, AI and cloud and then AI and all of that. That's one thing. The other thread that has happened here is uh, India is known for its, in the, for its software, but now technology and software has become a horizontal, not mm -hmm. a vertical anymore. So the bug of scaling up automation and I think the virus of entrepreneurship has hit every single sector that you can think of. So we've invested in companies even in manufacturing, in biotechnology, mm -hmm. stem cell. On the other hand, you know, in F&B, hospitality, and of course in technology, online, uh, all of, and, you know, robotics and uh, all of those. But the power of this country here in India is, is something phenomenal. While both of these, you know, the sectoral spread as well as the evolution, that is happening on technology is growing. I think the market here is phenomenal. It's not only a large market. I mean, India represents a sixth of the world's population, but it's a market which is growing with as a domestic market. Disposable incomes are rising. Uh, GDP is tracking at around 6%, which is huge, right? Choice uh, mm -hmm. has become, is formulating rights to the market here, to customer uh, uh, profiles here. And I think the fourth point, which is very important, is India has become a pilot market for many innovative products, be they in clean energy, sanitation, agri, education, healthcare. 
And once young startup companies sort of pilot it and build stable ventures, they go global into other developing markets as well, include yeah. and also in of the developed markets. I mm-hmm. mean, I can give you tons of examples. Uh, there's a company called Consor, which is into low-cost uh, medical device for incontinence. Born in India, um, you know, it's operationalized here. It's got everything worked out. Now it's catering to both the UK, UK and the US healthcare sector mm-hmm. market. So yep. I think that is what this country has become today. So um, let's talk a little bit about. Um you know, geography as it pertains to IT and IT-enabled services. That includes healthcare IT. Um, our audience is pretty much 100% focused on IT-enabled IT services. And um, one, you know, core um, algorithm, let's say, we have picked up from the, the way Indian investors are operating uh, by working with them for all this time is, that they they like all the SaaS and cloud and AI and all this kind of technology. They would like those those companies to be uh, facing the U.S. market or the global market. But U.S. is you happens to be one of the markets where technology moves through early adoption phases the fastest. So when it comes to those kinds of ventures, they prefer that these companies do not uh, sell into the Indian B2B market. They want the B2B SaaS and B2B AI and so forth to be sold to the global market. Um, Of course, there is the consumer B2C products that are India-facing that that people are still interested in. There have been some kings in that market as well in that uh, some of the companies that you know, are very overfunded, have not really had the fundamentals to the extent that um, they were expecting to have based on the GDP growth and the macro stats. Can you reflect on these dynamics a bit, on what, what, how you and your investor pool parses all this in the current uh, work, in the early stage investment work? Well, that's a very good point, actually. I, I mean, very interesting point. So, what is happening here from the Indian point, angel investor perspective, and that means that at the startup level, the companies that are B two B are actually getting faster investments now. And mm-hmm. uh, the interesting part is that uh, let me take you back one step, uh, which is interesting, is that angels here are part time angels. Unlike, mm-hmm. let's say, the U.S. or the U.K., where the angels are full-time, that's their job, that's their career, or that's what they do. Here, well, we have both. Most of our, most, yeah, but here most of our angels are part-time. They're either sitting as CEOs or CXOs or chairman or whatever. And um, mm-hmm. there are a minority which are only angel investing. Now, what this is bringing as an advantage to the startup is that they are directly connected to people who are decision makers in their company. So mm-hmm. as they build these young B2B propositions and you know they pick up the B2B model, they are they, these investors who are sitting as CXOs are quick pick, they quickly pick up these companies, introduce them to their corporates or their friends' corporates, mm-hmm. and help the company to grow. 
And mm-hmm. one step again, so, so there is a huge corporate sector here where these companies can go. And we have several examples where they've done well and exited in about three to four years, making a huge return. But the mm-hmm. bigger part, like a company like Druva or Sapiens, who are product companies, B2B product companies, they they started here. They they got the they had the advantage of talent. They had the advantage of cost. They had the advantage of piloting and bringing their products literally to a very robust stage and building revenue. And then they went and uh, went to the global market. So Druva mm-hmm. has obviously moved to the valley, and you know the story. It's now racing to become a big company. And Sapiens just got um, partnered by Credit Suisse, right? So mm-hmm. what is happening is these young B2B companies are, are piloting it, building domestic revenues, proving the model, proving the product, building the technology, the customization, and then partnering with global companies, either as customers or joint ventures or whatever. So that is one part that is happening very rapidly. There is another part, which is that there are young B2B companies in India which are not necessarily even focused on the global market. They are just focused on the domestic Indian market, and they're building very rapidly because they're focused on the Indian products. For instance, if you look at the fintech company, for example, they completely focused on the uh, tweak that has happened here, you know, the whole uh, indirect system of taxation has changed with the GSP coming in on the 1st of July this year. There are a number yeah. of companies which have picked that up, built products, and the market here is enormous. They're not even, they don't even have the imagination or the time to imagine to go overseas. There's so much business here. So that is another class of B2B product companies that have, that have sort of mushroomed and are growing well here. On the B2C side, you're right. There are the you know the whole startup ecosystem, especially in the e-commerce, has taken a has has been heavily invested. You know the Flipkart and the Snapdeal and Amazon sort of facing both of them. But what is also being created here is with these e-commerce companies and the amount of investment and the spread that they have done, India infrastructure is not at its best. So it's created a lot of other new companies which are playing to, which are complementing these large companies. For example, mm-hmm. logistics companies, right? Yeah. So if you think yeah. of a company like Farai, or you think of company like Loginet, or you think of all these companies have picked up gaps in the delivery side, or in the supply side, or in the packaging side, or whatever, and yeah. these companies around them. Instead of so the e-commerce play, a Flipkart or an Amazon or a, a Snapdeal, they they are bringing together. They are aggregators of products and customers, right? But they have mm-hmm. to be delivered. Who's delivering them? It is a whole host of young companies which are actually uh, delivering them, and they are riding on the growth of the B2C space that the e-commerce players are doing. And the last piece is that. B2C has grown up from a different perspective again. In India, you have the whole uh, spectrum, you know, the telecom growth that has happened yes. with both Airtel, Geo, and all of, and Paytm, which has come in from the fintech space. So mm-hmm. a lot of companies are leveraging these platforms 
and catering to the B2C play. So there is a B2B play, there is a B2C play, and there is a B2B2C play. So that's what's becoming extremely interesting. I mean, there is an agri company which is um, built its revenue model on a B2B space, but its delivery is on B2C space. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting what's happening here. So Padmajit, why don't we uh, talk about some of your companies that align with these trends that you just very nicely outlined? What are some of the highlights in your portfolio that uh, cater to some of these trends? Yeah, I, as I was, I was trying to list them in as I gave, you know, as I was responding to your earlier questions. But let me focus on them a bit. So yeah. let's pick up the company like Sapiens, for example. It's a product yeah. company on performance and productivity, right? Yeah, Sapiens was our portfolio company as well. Yeah, and now they are moving to the valley with Credit Suisse as their partner. Gruber is a very good but an old story from our network, yes. which we have invested in. Again, a B2B play, and now partnered with Global Majors, um, especially the big four and a lot of the IT companies, to be honest. What about uh, the more recent ones? What, are, what, are you, what have you invested in in the last couple of years yeah. that are looking really yeah. interesting yeah. and promising? Yes, that's where I was coming. The other is like if you look at uh, Logimex, it's a logistics space which is partnered with KTM. If mm -hmm. you look at Parai, which is tracking logistics, right? So as mm -hmm. as the delivery happens by the e-commerce place, this is completely real-time tracking system. They've mm -hmm. partnered with not only e-commerce place but a lot of the B2C players like the Dominos or you know the pizza delivery guys, and they're growing rapidly. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a there are companies in the agri space that have grown. For example, uh, bringing bringing a lot of the again in India the marginal farmers exist as you know. They are very small holdings yeah. and they don't have money for capital uh, equipment. So yeah. companies are bringing the equipment on a lease model, which the young agriculture the, sorry the, the small farmers are able to literally rent out this equipment by hours. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like uberization of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, farming equipment. Again, very interesting, growing very rapidly. We have robotics, for example. They've created products for, the ed for educating young engineering students. So, they've broken the whole engineering concepts and fundamentals and literally created tangible work working simulated models, and that's through robotics. Again, very interesting, mm -hmm. right? So uh, we have an architecture company, a company called Smart Visits, right, which has used virtual re reality to bring the whole plan, the architecture architect's plan, onto a platform in such a way that it is diced and sliced almost in three dimensions through the virtual reality platform, so mm -hmm. that uh, the civil contractor, the plumber, the electrician, the interior designer, they can all see the picture and yet they can pick out which of the pieces are each one needs to function. And it all saves so much time and money and rework that uh, it's, a, it's really taken it to the next level. It's sort of now partnering with some of the big global majors. Look at mm -hmm. Biotech, which we've a company in which we've invested where 
they are uh, doing 3D printing of um, uh, uh, of simulated human livers for drug testing. Again, breakthrough. We've invested in stem cell research, company which is looking at uh, breaking down stem cells for cancer. And mm -hmm. uh, it's really working with some of the global majors. So, you know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a plethora of, literally, I, 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 there is another company which is in manufacturing, Mukunda, which is mm -hmm. uh, based a product which automates dopamating. So, you know, just as you have a coffee vending machine and you press a button and you get the choice of your coffee, you press a button and you have a hot dosa on your plate. And you have a choice which dosa you want. You want a plain dosa or you want a masala dosa or an oil free dosa. So, <laughs> all of this is now sort of uh, coming to play, as I said, with bug of entrepreneurship, innovation, productizing is sort of now hit like a virus across sectors in this country. So um, I'm going to ask you another trend question, and this is, I think, a bit different in India than what we see in uh, in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., right now, there has been a tremendous uh, surge in uh, micro VCs and uh, you know angels coming together and creating funds and so forth, and and there is there. I think the 2013 number was 70,000. Um, seed-funded companies, but the Series A number still remains quite small. It's only about 1,200, and that also remains constant. So in, this, in Silicon Valley, there is a big Series A gap that has opened up. The India story is different. In India, there is not that much seed capital in the system, the, and it's very difficult, actually, to get seed money. Um, how do you see the seed to Series A equation in India? You know, you're right. Uh, you know, when IEM started, the real gap in the market was at half a million dollars, right? So after an entrepreneur has invested friends, family, and fool's money round, it was very hard to get any money. And that was the gap that IEM sort of tried to plug by bringing in angel investing. Yeah. Today, angel investing is now an established itself as an asset class in H&I portfolios. It's become center spread. You know, if you look at Economic Times or any of these dailies, you'll see something or the other on angel investing in startups. So yeah. that that gap is getting starting to get plugged, okay? And there's a lot of active, in, and the growth of angel investing in this country has been pretty sharp uh, curve. But the gap today that we see is uh, more in one to five million uh, mm -hmm. funding that companies. So post angel funding, companies are finding it extremely hard to uh, get their next round, which is usually one to five million. Number two is to get money from quality investors who can still handhold them. They're still young. They still need handholding and mentoring. So while funds are getting created, I think in this, this last year or two, the government has put in the fund of fund of startups and a couple of other ministries have put in money and there is domestic LP money that is starting to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, it is very difficult for companies to get that one to four million. And many good companies are falling off the cliff because they're just funding delayed or funding denied, as I would say. 
Well, part of the issue, um, my observation, let me just comment on what you said. Um, you know, in India, yes, you're saying that companies are growing fast, but even, you know, for the for venture scale company growth, that is, a, you know, hyper fast growth that VCs look for to invest in companies and to demonstrate the ability to grow at that kind of accelerated pace is not easy, and, and especially if companies are catering through the Indian market. You know, if, you're, if they're India-facing companies, I think the growth rates don't reach that level. And that is one of the issues that is causing the, you know, the gap between the seed and the Series A in India. That it's a difference reason and a different um, analysis of the market. Um, at the same time, well, I, you know, I, as you know, I'm a very big proponent of bootstrapping. Indian entrepreneurs are good at bootstrapping. No, I take your point. I think we ourselves encourage companies to bootstrap. I mean, I know of a company um, uh, where they were raising about uh, how much were they raising? They were raising about 150,000 about three three years ago from us. And uh, when I looked at their cash flow and I looked at the projections, I said, you know, why don't you go try and bootstrap and raise it yourself? Companies mm -hmm. done extremely well. They they became a top line of 20 crores and they came and raised money with us after that. So yes. I'm a big proponent of uh, bootstrapping. But to your po earlier point, what I would like to also point out that companies which are raising post angel funded, they're still young, nascent, and they need mentoring and help apart from money. Okay. Yeah. And many many GPs of funds are not really entrepreneurs in their earlier life. So the value no, right. that they can do, their risk, their risk taking ability, their operational insight are a little little different to what companies may need as guidance from their investors. And that is where IEN has launched the fund. And it's mm -hmm. a very interesting fund because while we have the normal SEBI registered uh, GP-led, I'm a founding partner and GP of the fund, but more interesting is the fact that companies will not only be able to raise money from us, but now we have 470 investors on our platform who we can access for domain expertise, mentoring, market network, helping them in every way. So, And what is the size of the fund? The size of the fund is 70 million U.S. Okay. And for a company now, the IAM platform represents a way of raising money from 30,000 US dollars to almost 7 million US dollars on a single platform. So all mm -hmm. they need to do is to keep performing and growing the company and money will be available. And money which is quality money, which, which is credible and quality money with mentoring, relevant market access, whatever. It is mm -hmm. an ecosystem in which these can just grow. So mm -hmm. I think that is the new gap that we identified post our, you know, post identifying the angel gap. This mm -hmm. is a new gap in the country where we have positioned this fund. And 
second thing that we have done is 60% of the fund is raised, committed. And we mm -hmm. started operations and invested in six companies all in a period of a quarter. But interestingly, the 60%, entire 60% of the corpus has been raised in India, domestic money, which, mm -hmm. is, which is bucking the trend to say that, you know, yeah. VC yeah. funds find it very difficult to raise money in India, and therefore they raise a lot of money overseas. But Almost 80% yeah. of the corpus is raised overseas. We yeah. already raised 60% of the corpus in India, and we are still raising. So, mm -hmm. so you know, we are out. We are an ecosystem player. We are not like any other fund. We bringing men. We believe in bringing mentoring, expertise, market, whatever help we can do. We would help. And yes, we also bring money. Yeah. So that is the new trend that we are trying to set. So, uh, Padma, I have two more questions that I want to cover before we finish. Um, one is, how do you parse unicorn mania? You know, this is something really unfortunate that happened, that India basically copied this stupidity from Silicon Valley, which is unicorn mania. How do you react to that? How do you process this? How does your uh, in network process this you know, trend? I just want to answer that very, very simply. Over the years, at IEM, on the investor table, we have never invested in any company or had a discussion of even investing in a company on the basis of valuation game alone or market share game alone. It has always been focused on top line, bottom line, EBITDA. And that old-fashioned business model and business trends has sustained us, and we've not had this problem on our investor uh, in our portfolio. So I don't. But I have you invested? Uh, have you invested in any no. company that has got caught into this unicorn mania? Because as an angel group, you could get buried on the later stage liquidation preferences if there's a company that starts to play that game with other investors, follow-on investors. No, so we did invest in a company which went down the unic, which got affected by the unicorn mania. But I want to also point out that before it went there, we exited the company and made our money. So we did not get impacted. Good point. So this is actually a very good point, and I, I'm, uh, you know, talking to lots of angel investors on this point is that co-sale rights, right? You have to kind of, if you're doing angel investment today or seed stage investment today, you kind of have to negotiate co-sell rights so that you can get out before unicorn mania buries you under liquidation preferences. Yeah, yeah, and I believe very strongly that investing is the easiest part. You have to know when to exit because yeah. the timing of both are important and the structure yes. of both are important. Yes, absolutely. So last question, you know, one of my observations is that we are in 2017. Lots of stuff have already been built. And nowadays there aren't as many wide open large opportunities, especially when you look at B2B. Um, but there are many niche opportunities. And, um, and in India, I would say even in B2C, there are lots of niche opportunities. And some of these businesses need to be built for very small amounts of capital, maybe one to two million. Um, and sold for 10 to 15 million. In some cases, they could be billed for 250 to 500K, sold for five to 10 million. This is, you know, 
these are opportunities, and especially with India's cost structure and the generally frugal um, dynamics of the uh, entrepreneurs, this seems to be right up India's alley. How are you processing this um, kind of um, dynamic? No, I think that's a very interesting observation. I think um, what we are looking at is, yes, we are absolutely picking up niche um, uh, plays. We also understand that these would not need too much of money, which is interesting. But I think what, is, what we focus on are two aspects. That after we've invested, can the company sustain and grow on its cash um, earnings, right? Mm -hmm. And secondly, at what point we, we do invest with a perspective, not only that we would get a cash return or a return from a next round investor, but mm -hmm. then these are plays that get acquired. So who are the likely acquisition partners or acquirers? And I think in India, the acquisition and the M&A play is starting to open up. And uh, mm -hmm. that is what I find very interesting. And those acquisition plays are giving reasonable returns. Again, I want to I want to underpin it with one comment, like angel investing and startups and entrepreneurship have, are young in this country. We are not as developed. Acquisition right. is just starting, right? Yes. So I I think the path it will take, the returns it will give. The way it will work out, it's, it's still to play out. But we have been very, very well, in this case, though, this the investment, the acquisition opportunities are going to be global. Um, you know, a lot of companies, India has developed a lot of software expertise at this point. So building software products that can be tuck-in acquisitions for larger technology companies, global technology companies, in, in, in the U.S. technology companies, that I think that trend will pick up. And, and we just need to kind of create the ecosystem to not be obsessed with these unicorns. Every, if everybody wants to build unicorns, well, there aren't that many unicorn ideas out there. Those are rare, few and far between ideas. That's why they're called unicorns. But also remember that India is not only uh, creating companies which focus only on the Western market. There is a no, no, I agree. The on the yeah. on the B2C so, India-facing market, that's a whole different story. Yes, and the second is that those M&As are happening quicker because the innovation, the talent, the products that are getting here built here are very robust compared to what you may get in other countries. Yeah. Very good. Padmada, thank you for uh, parking your car and, and staying on the roadside for, for 40 minutes <laughs> to be with us. So let's keep in touch. We'll, uh, we'll work together more in, in due course. Sure, sure. I look forward to that. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care.